have kids, they said. It will be fun, they said. Who the heck are they anyway? As moms, we sacrifice a lot for our families, our time, our health, our wallets, our identity, friendships, personal care, and of course, our beloved sleep. Motherhood is a crazy ride, one that is not meant to be braved alone. It takes a village, right? Well, your village is here. I'm your host, Sabrina Greer, and every week I'll be diving into the gray areas of motherhood with some very special guests. This is not the highlight reel, but the real deal. So reheat that cup of coffee, turn up the volume, and get ready for the reminder that you've got this, mama. And thank you for tuning in. You are listening to You've Got This Mama, the podcast. You may have noticed we've been on hiatus for a little while, and we're going to dive into the reasons during this show. But today I'm super excited for our guest. We have Samantha Montpetit Quinn with us today. Hi, Sam. Hey. Welcome to the show. I'm going to start by just reading your bio so everyone knows who we're talking to today. And then we're going to dive into all of these amazing conversations. And I'm so excited and grateful for you being here. Thank you. Okay. Samantha is a mother of two beautiful girls, a core and pelvic floor rehab specialist who has been in the fitness industry for almost 20 years. Samantha helps women take back control of their health, get off the hamster wheel of dieting so they can reconnect with their bodies, feel strong, and build confidence once and for all. Um, Samantha is also known extensively in her field and has appeared on several television shows as well as print media and was the resident fitness expert on The Marilyn Dennis Show, a national award-winning lifestyle show across Canada from 2013 to 2017. Well, that is quite the resume, and I am so excited to have you here. Though, that's not what we're talking about today. No, we're talking about no. something a little more serious and, you know, some, some difficult conversations. And honestly, that's been part of the reason why I've taken a little bit of a break. And we talked about this before the show. You know, it's hard to know right now what to say, what not to say, you know, what's okay to say. And really, I'm such a strong believer in always leading with my heart. And my heart told me to just slow down for a little bit. Just take a break, take a break from social media, take a break from the podcast and, you know, give the floor to other people to let them sort of step into that. And I did that. And you know what? It's summer. It's beautiful weather. You know, we're coming off of something that we've never come off of before this, you know, world pandemic and all of these crazy, what a crazy time, right? What a crazy, crazy time. But today we're going to talk a little bit about, you know, your story, the Black Lives Matter movement, and some other challenging things. So I wanted to mm -hmm. hand the floor over to you, Sam, and really dive into your story, you know, how you got here. Yeah. Um, yeah. So first of all, thank you so much for having me on your show. I really appreciate it. Um, it's, uh, yeah, these are some crazy times. I mean, had anybody, I'm sure we've all said this to ourselves, like back in February, if anybody had told you, oh, you're going to be isolating for four months in your house and you're going to be sanitizing everywhere and only one person at your household is going to be going grocery shopping and you won't be seeing anybody, I would have told them they were crazy. Right. <laughs> um, and then with this whole, 
you know, racial uproar with the, the Black Lives Matter, it's, um, it definitely has been a learning experience for me as well, um, because I am, I'm biracial. Oh, my mother is white, my father is black. And um, so it's brought up a lot of things for me that I hadn't, I don't know what I say, if I dealt with them or if I really faced them, if I'm being quite honest. Um, and uh, so, yeah, this has definitely shook me up. It shook up my daughters. Uh, my younger one, for sure, she's turned into a real um, activist. And I am in awe of her. I follow her on Instagram and she's taught me a lot of things. And she's really challenged me to call other people out um, and to really you know, be an anti-racist, which you would think I would, I am because I'm half black, right? Um, however, having a white mother um, has definitely um, given me a lot of privilege because I'm not dark-skinned. Um, and, I, and I think this is where this all started when we had our first Blackout Tuesday. Um, I went public on my Facebook page and I had been crying all morning and because uh, I, I, I'd written um, a newsletter and I sent it out and I found out as I started writing, I started to cry and I was like just crying and crying. And then I thought, okay, I need to talk about this. And so I put on my big sunglasses and I went outside on my deck and I, I told everybody, I said, I've got these glasses on because I know I'm going to, I'm really going to start trying to control myself. And so I talked about how, you know, growing up, um, in a primarily white Jewish neighborhood and being just one of the handfuls of black people, because as a white, to a white person, I'm black, but to the black community, at least when I was growing up, I wasn't black enough. So I couldn't relate. So I never really felt like I fit in and all these emotions with this whole black lives matter came, you know, rushing to the forefront. And I was like, what do I do with this? Because I've never really felt like I belonged either way. Like if I, you know, supported white people, I was cheating on the black people. But then if I was supporting black people, I didn't feel like I was really, you know, a part of it. I couldn't really complain because I, to be quite honest, I didn't feel a lot of direct oppression growing up. Right. Every once in a while, I, come in contact with a white person and they would make a stupid comment. And I'd be like, was that a racist comment? I'd be like, really? And I would, I would actually laugh it off because I'd be like, wow, are you that ignorant? Like, like you really, that's just kind of how I was. Um, and when I spoke with my mom, she just kind of went nuts again. I said, mom, you know, I don't really know where I fit in. And she's like, what do you mean, Samantha? She's like, don't be silly. She goes to any white person. You're clearly black. And she's always, referenced me as her black daughter always she's never called me mulatto half breed which is what all the black people referred me to when i was young it was my daughter's black and that's just the way it is right and i don't mm. think she'd said it in any way to discount the white part of me but you know clearly i wasn't white and she's like samantha i think you just have to accept that people are assholes oh sorry can i swear <laughs> yeah sure <laughs> And she's like, I don't know why you're getting so upset. You know, people are assholes and there's just some people are jerks and they're racist and they just don't understand and you're black. And so what is the problem? And I was like, mama, but you don't. And so it took her a while. And then she started feeling bad. She goes, yeah, I guess I don't understand. I was like, no, you don't. Cause you're white. Right. 
So God bless her because, you know, her, when she had me in 1970, I remember her telling me a story that, um, because my parents didn't stay together. She was a kid having a kid. She was 17 when she had me. My dad was 18 and uh, they weren't, they didn't stay together. And she had taken, I was at daycare and she was taking all, she had a couple of days off of work and she was going out every day looking for an apartment. And uh, she finally found an apartment. And the day we moved in, there was a notice on the door that we had to move because the, 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 um, I think she said the owners of the house were white Russians and they saw that I was black and they gave wow. her an eviction notice. Yeah. So that was a kind of stuff that, you know, and yeah, and she thought he was a jerk and everything, but she had just been like, yeah, well, whatever. You just, you kind of just move on. And, um, and uh, I was like, wow, like that must've been so hard. And so she's, my mom is somewhat kind of toughened up as a result of it, hardened up against it. And she just says, you know, people are assholes. Like, what do you get? You can't help an asshole. Right. So, so in a way she doesn't really feel like there's much help, hope, I guess. Um, I'm making assumptions because I'm, I'm sure she hopes, but I'm really trying to change it where with my kids that I, it's not going to be something that you just shrug off because I did shrug it off a lot. And I right. think I got that from my mother. Whereas now I am being very vocal and um, each day I am feeling more confident and strong. And you know how you were saying at the beginning, like it's hard to have some of these conversations. You feel almost like a pit in your stomach. Like, are people going to jump on me and pounce on me if I say something? But you know what? It's better to say something than not say anything at all. I mean, we have a sign in our window that my daughter painted that, you know, silence supports violence. If we just stay silent, we're basically just enabling. I mean, that's why we're here where we are. Because people are just, nobody wants to disrupt feathers. Nobody wants to rock the boat. Can't we all just get along? No, that doesn't work. That, you know, that theory that we've all tried doesn't work. And we need to call people out. So I've been having some very difficult conversations like today on Instagram where someone's saying, well, you know, can't you just understand that somebody else has a different opinion? Racism isn't an opinion. No. It's a belief, period, right? But, and, and, you know, nobody likes being called a racist. Absolutely. I get it. Um, but you, you need to own it in order for it to change. And it, I, I would for sure. I mean, again, it's hard for me because my mother is white, but no way right now would I want to be a white person. No, no, thank you. <laughs> Must be very, very difficult right now. Right. But I appreciate but, people like you who want to have this conversation are willing to become uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think that's the important thing. I mean, it's, we're talking about Black Lives Matter because for so long, it, that's been oppressed, right? It's just, you know, yeah, this very moment in, in the universe and time, it's hard. And I'm saying that with quotation fingers right now because yeah. listeners not watching. Yeah, it's hard, but how long has it been hard for Black Lives, right? So it's the beginning of time. I own my privilege. Absolutely. I am incredibly privileged. And, you know, I grew up as the only birth child to my parents who are both white, like third generation Canadians. And, you know, my parents couldn't have any more children and they decided to foster. And we had kids, we had indigenous children in our home. We had 
black children in our home. We had children from other countries, you know, multiple children who had been through abuse, who had been through the system, who had been through, you know, really hard times. Does that make me uh, an anti-racist? I still have work to do, right? Mm -hmm. I still have work to do. I saw it. Mm -hmm. I experienced other people going through this when I was a child because of them, but I've never been through it personally. I'm like, 200 generations white girl, right? Like I am mm -hmm. extremely privileged. I know my privilege because of those experiences. I mm -hmm. don't know anything else. So I've been spending all this time, you know, learning, unlearning, muting, <laughs> unmuting, and not knowing yep. what to say, not knowing what to do. So, you know, it's, it's funny how we connected because I reached out to you uh, to ask if you wanted to write an article about this and you're like, well, no, I want to be on the podcast and why haven't you done a podcast girl? Like what's going on? So I'm just, I'm grateful that you called me out on that because I feel like the more people call me and my, my other privileged friends out, the more we can step up and, and have these conversations because I think where the hard part comes from is just the not knowing what to say. So when yeah. somebody calls you out and helps you, say what needs to be said and gives the floor to somebody else, right? It's not about judgment. It's not about fear mongering. It's literally about helping each other to start the conversations because mm -hmm. these conversations need to be had. Like you said, silence is violence, right? It, these conversations have to be had and yes, it's uncomfortable, but you know, having people like you make it less uncomfortable because you, you help bring these conversations to the surface. So thank you for mm -hmm. that. Yes, so I want to know how, how was it for you when all this started happening? Cause you said it sort of cracked you open, right? It just sort mm -hmm. of like brought a lot of things to the surface. What do you think, like, what was that moment or what do you think it was that just totally cracked you open? And what was that intense emotion? Like, what did that feel like for you? See, even when you ask that, I start feeling like a heaviness in my chest. Yeah. Um, I, I felt, I felt raw. I felt exposed and I felt like a little girl again who didn't know what to say, right? Oh my God, I'm getting emotional right now just talking about it. Um, yeah, like I just, I was like, I don't know what to say. And that's why I went live because I thought, you know what, if I can, if I can say something right now with not knowing what to say, hopefully other people will hear me from a very sincere, and I hate this word authentic, but I don't know what other word to mm -hmm. use, right? I felt that so overused um, way. And because I was, we were hearing so much from other black people, and white people, but I wasn't hearing anything from biracial people, right? Mm. I felt like I had to say something because I, I felt so stuck in the middle. I felt like if I said something really angry against white people, I was cheating on my mother, right? And if I said something against black people, then it was like just um, kind of validating what you know, black people have always, or I felt that black people have always said about me that I'm not a real black person because I'm not full and I would never really understand. And, and I mean, and the reality is, is no, I will never really understand because with having lighter skin, definitely I have some privilege associated with that. Um, 
which I think is what a lot of people are missing about this whole Black Lives Matter thing, because I'm still having conversations with people who, like there was, I was a, a discussion on my Facebook yesterday, there's a white woman who was upset because somebody called her racist, because doesn't she know that she has Black people in her family? And we were like, well, wait a second, just because you have, just like you said, right? Just because you had foster kids or whatever, and Black people, that doesn't mean, like, that doesn't, you know, um, negate you from the conversation. And um, so it, it really did rip me open. And so after I went live, I started getting messages from other people who are biracial and who said, oh my God, you hit the nail on the head. I didn't know what to say or how to say it. And you said exactly what I was feeling. And so I felt like, okay, God, because when I hit, when I hit stop, I just bawled. I had a box of Kleenex. I had emptied the box. I was just like, snot was rolling. And I was like, Oh my God, I can't believe I just did that. And you know, cause I run a business online and people are going to think I'm so unprofessional and what am I doing? And, and then, but then my girlfriend was like, yeah, but people, I mean, we all know this is just being an entrepreneur. I mean, you run a, a business that supports other moms. People want to connect with the person and know that they're going to be heard and seen and validated. And so I think I gave a lot of voice to people who didn't know what to say, um, which I was like, so thankful for. So yeah. And, and you know what, and I'm still working on it. Like, again, like you just starting asking me this question brought me back and I started getting emotional again and which kind of freaks me out a little bit, but in a way it just goes to show how much work I still have to do. Right. We all have to do. Um, but the more and more we talk about this, the better it will be. And for everybody who's listening, um, you know, when you're asked that difficult question, like you need to connect with that and try not to run away and try not to avoid and try not to, you know, people will say to me, I mean, I had a lot of my white friends obviously come to me and say, you know, Sam, I just don't know what to say. Cause I feel like if I say something, someone's going to yell at me if I say something wrong. It's like, well, you know what though? If you say nothing, mm -hmm. that's worse. So at least if you say something and then someone, you know, rips into you, then at least you can apologize. You can own it and apologize and people will respect you that much more because at least you're willing to do the difficult things to get to the right place that you need to be. Right. Does that yeah. make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, a conversation won't start if nobody starts the conversation, right? Yeah. It can't yeah. become anything if it's internalized and, and never comes to fruition. So no, Absolutely. and I, I love that. And yes, it's hard. It's scary. It's, it makes you feel vulnerable, right? It's so vulnerable, but mm -hmm. you know, I, I follow a lot of Brene Brown's work and like, she talks about vulnerability and shame and like, just because we're vulnerable doesn't mean we have to be ashamed, right? It's yes. okay to be raw. Like you said, I love that word raw so mm -hmm. much more than authentic. <laughs> I love the word raw. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. what it is right now. Everyone's raw. We're feeling these raw emotions. We don't know what to do. We don't know what to say. We don't know what's right. We don't know what's wrong, but that's how you learn, right? If you look at a little baby who's just learning things in the world around them, you know, they're so raw. They're so like vulnerable and open to 
seeing things and experiencing things for the first time. And, you know, like a, a child learning to walk, they get up and they fall down and they fall down and they fall down and they keep on falling down, but they get up and they yes. keep trying and eventually yes. they learn how to walk. Right. Yeah. And, mm -hmm. and that's what we are right now. I feel like we're all just toddlers <laughs> trying to figure yeah. out what this world is and like speaking our first words and falling down and getting back up. And, you know, mm -hmm. it's, it's messy and it's awkward yes. <laughs> and it's, it is messy. It's definitely watch. messy. Yeah. yeah I imagine yeah. like sitting up in outer space, looking down at our planet right now going like, Whoa, that's, that is yeah. awkward. <laughs> and that is weird yes, exactly. and messy, but it's, it is, it's raw. And I think in order to, grow and be strong it takes that sort of like vulnerability right it always reminds me mm -hmm. of like the butterfly like we're going through a metamorphosis right now and a, a, a caterpillar goes into a cocoon turns into literal soup right caterpillar soup mm -hmm. like digests mm -hmm. itself and it's like yep. so gross and so messy and so <laughs> awkward and then it comes out the yep. other side this beautiful creature beautiful this flying yeah. beautiful butterfly right and that's what yeah. i feel like we're in the caterpillar soup right now we're just, yeah. I love that analogy. That's great. <laughs> yeah. Gross. That's so good. Gross. Like that's what yeah. it feels to me so often when I, when I say something that pit in my stomach, it feels kind of gross, right? Mm -hmm. It's awkward and messy and painful and embarrassing. And like all of these emotions yes. that, you know, you can't really put a word to. So yeah, I just, I feel like we're all caterpillar soup right now and we're coming, we're going to come yeah. on the other side a beautiful united group of you know stronger than we were before yeah <laughs> here's I, fingers crossed i really here's i really hope so i really hope so because i mean when george floyd first died and i saw it i was i was somewhat numb to it right mm -hmm. um because i'd seen it before yeah. and i was like oh yep another black another one. guy killed by a cop and yeah i was so like and so, and it brought me back to Rodney King yeah. and the disgust and the anger I felt when the cops got off for that. And, um, and there was all the protests and all the burning buildings. And I thought, Oh, this will just be another one. Everybody's up in arms, but you know, this will blow over. And then, um, but I definitely had a few friends going, no, no, this is different because now the world is in on it back then with Rodney King. We didn't have social media. We didn't have phones. We didn't have now it's now we've seen protests in Japan and Australia. And I'm like, really? You know? And of course my and my initial thing is they got black people in Japan. It's like, okay, Samantha, don't be stupid. Of course. <laughs> but, right. But <laughs> it was it was really great to see like the world coming together, really getting pissed off. And um, you know, a lot of people like will come on and Again, another conversation I was having on my Facebook about, you know, but we don't like I'm against violence and blah, blah, blah. And they don't understand why people are so angry. And because you know what? If your kid was your kind, your children, whatever, were constantly being, you know, murdered and was, you know, killed and without any remorse you'd probably be burning a lot of freaking buildings too. And if you felt like you had been oppressed for 400 years or there was, there's actually never mind felt you were oppressed for 400 years and you've tried everything, all the things and nothing has changed. Maybe now we need to start really doing something crazy. Right. 
Um, and I mean, I'm not going to get into the fact that, you know, the majority of those looters aren't even, they're not even us, right? Um, there are other people who are hired to create this whole pandemonium, but it's, um, I think, you know, my frustration is when um, people are called out on their white privilege, their racism, they become defensive and then they try and play the victim of, you know, well, I'm allowed to have an opinion or again, I've got black people in my family or I love all, I don't look at color. That's the whole point. You need to look at color. We all need to. And um, if you're being called out on something that is making you super, super, super uncomfortable, you need to check that. You need to look in the mirror. You need to ask yourself if you are so, you know, not racist, if you're anti-racist, ask yourself, would you for a second trade places and be a black person? Ask yourself if you're willing to do that. And I'm willing to bet you'd probably go, no, right? So instead of defending yourself, really check yourself and then instead just ask, okay, how can I do better? Right? Exactly. Um, yeah. That's all. That's no. all. Because as soon as you remove a post um, or if you're being challenged and all of a sudden you just go quiet and disappear, right there, you are just enabling the whole problem that we're all trying to fight against. Yeah. Right? So true. Yeah. And that, and that was, you know, totally taking ownership right now for, for my, you know, racism, I guess is, you know, I've never ever used that word in context attached to myself, but you know, it's, I think it's about understanding your privilege, understanding our privilege and using that to start these conversations, right? It's, mm -hmm. it's hard. It's really hard to say that out loud to say, you know, mm -hmm. I don't consider myself a racist. I never have, but Am I anti-racist? No, right? Mm -hmm. It's a, I haven't been until now. Mm -hmm. I haven't understood what that meant. I didn't know that was a thing. It's so it's mm -hmm. about learning. It's about education, and it's about doing better for the next generation, right? We mm -hmm. have an opportunity here to teach our children about this, right? We have an opportunity to shine a light on on their privilege. I have three boys who are incredibly privileged, incredibly mm -hmm. privileged. We've done mm -hmm. perhaps no favors for them in giving them so much privilege, but it's mm -hmm. our job now as parents of the next generation to teach them. It's to teach mm -hmm. them, right? And I think yeah. that leads into my next question. I want to know, you know, how has this affected your girls? And you said that they're your greatest teacher and that you're so proud of them and all the things that they're creating. So what does that look like and how how can i role mo like model that behavior for my own children and for our listeners children um because it sounds like they're pretty incredible oh my god they just so again on that blackout tuesday when i went live before i did i was sitting at my desk and i just finished writing that newsletter and i'm crying and my older daughter she comes up and she goes why are you crying and i said you know why and she goes yeah she goes i just finished crying too and she so my daughters are um half chinese quarter black quarter white um but they still do very much um identify as black um they also identify as chinese like they identify whatever they want to identify as anyways so 
she, my older daughter was saying how, um, you know, she's afraid now to have, she goes, what if Ethan and I get married and her, her boyfriend is black? And, uh, and she goes, and what if we have a son? And I said, I just looked at her and I said, I know. Right. Um, cause that's something that my stepmother, I've got two, two brothers who she said her biggest fear every day was, you know, when they're teenagers, are they going to come home? Will they make it home? Right. Um, and so that's something that Rio has been really kind of, that freaked her out that she, she jumped that far and I felt angry. Um, but, uh, she has made some choices to, you know, stop following some people. And then my younger daughter, uh, like I said, she's quite the activist and she's very, um, she has called me out on some stuff uh, recently, like some conversations that I would have with people on Facebook. And she's like, mom, you need to unfriend them right now. And I was like, well, again, hear me being like, you know, maybe I should. And she's like, no, she goes, and don't just ghost them. She goes, you need to call them out. You need to tell them exactly why. And that's it. And she goes, those people are racist. And I was like, okay. And I'm like, you know, breathing and breathing. And, and she's constantly on her Instagram sharing stuff about Black Lives Matter, about um, LGBTQ, about trans rights. Um, she's so on a mission to change the world. And she actually said yesterday over dinner, she goes, it's going to be Gen Z, mom, who are going to change the world. You watch. Mm. She goes, because it's mm-hmm. our voices. She goes, we are the people who are going to change this. And um, she's a big fan of Billie Eilish, um, big fan. And uh, Billie Eilish has been very much, um, you know, supporting Black Lives Matter. She changed her, her website where all she did was have resources for Black Lives Matter and all of her Instagram. And she said, you know, and she goes, and a lot of people are, you know, unfollowing her and stuff like that. And I said, how do you feel about it? She goes, oh, I don't care. She goes, a lot of people have unfollowed me. She goes, those are people that I want anything to do with. Um, so they really have, uh, they've made a conscious effort to really push this, this mission on, on changing the world. And I, we also sat down, I tried watching this with them about five years ago when it first came out on Netflix, the 13th. Have you watched that yet? No. I haven't. Okay. That would be something great to watch with your kids. Um, maybe how old are you? Okay. So you've got a teenager. How old are your kids? They're little. So I have a three-year-old, a five-year-old, and then a 14-year-old. So yeah. So your 14-year-old, okay. You can yeah. watch it. The three and five will just be gone. Um, <laughs> and it's about the 13th, it's about the 13th amendment and when they abolished slavery or apparently, but it's, it's talks about the system on how they have just changed slavery into our current reality. There's a new slavery that is still, right. you know, you can't own people, but you're doing things like filling up the prisons and it's just, it's a real eye opener. So I watched that with my girls. There's also a great podcast called 1619. And mm-hmm. I think there's only five or six episodes. And it talks about the first is about 1619 when the first group of black people came over from Africa and were traded by um, uh, pirates. And so that's how mm-hmm. slavery kind of started. Um, cause they had to trade something. They was like, Oh, we got these black people from Africa. That's how we'll do it. And that was kind of the first, um, yeah, in 1619, but man, is it ever, it's so educational, but it's quite actually entertaining as well. It's not, I mean, I find with podcasts, you know, obviously the voice, the audio is all like some people talk and it's like, Oh my God, it's like watching paint dry. It's like, I can't even handle it. It's just so boring. 
The music is fantastic. It's so entertaining, but they talk about, um, there's a whole episode on cotton fields and how that was really big for business and, and how people would mortgage their slaves for land. And, oh yeah. And they talked wow. about, they, and there's a whole episode on music and, and uh, it's really, really interesting. So, it, and it's very easy listening. So those would be two things that I would certainly suggest for you to listen to and have your teenager listen to. Um, and there's um, another podcast I just recently listened to as well called White Lies. Mm -hmm. And it's about um, um, a story, uh, a minister, I believe, um, during the, um, oh my God, uh, Oh, what is that movie with, um, with, uh, Martin Luther King and they walk over the bridge and Selma um, about the big, the big riot in Selma. And, um, so he, one of the ministers went over to Selma to support and he was actually bludgeoned to death or not to death. I mean, he died of his injuries 48 hours later by a group of white supremacists, um, but it, that was a really interesting story too, because he was there uh, to support um, 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 the movement back then in, in the 1960s. So those are, those are really great three things that I th think right away. It's easy listening, it's very educational, mm -hmm. and it would just kind of bring things to light and make people understand, you know, why people are so angry because we've been fighting for so freaking long, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you for those recommendations. I'll, I'll put those in the show notes because I think mm -hmm. there's so like an overwhelming amount of information is being thrown at us right now, which is, mm -hmm. you know, it's great that there's resources and information available, but I've, I've seen firsthand experience when people get inundated with too much information, they, they start stop. to malfunction. Right? It's like yeah, a computer. I, I do that. I do do yeah. that. Yep. I, too I many tabs open, too many things going on. Yep. Exactly. Yep. So yep. having recommendations that, you know, are from you, from, from people who it's a reputable, reputable source and we know it's going to steer us in the right direction. I think that's very helpful mm -hmm. for, for people. Mm -hmm. So I am also going to put an area on my website for some resources and recommendations um, just Great. to help people find the right information and to find, you know, a variety of information too, and not get so mm -hmm. overwhelmed because Google is a rabbit mm -hmm. hole as we all know, right? Yes. Oh, the absolutely. same with parenting information. If there's oh. just so much that you can't, you, you can't, can't possibly get through it all. So having like a, a list of things that are helpful, I think is, is really good. So before awesome. we wrap up, I just wanted to ask one more question because I think it's important. I mean, you work in the fitness industry, you know, how have you found being in that industry is like, what does that look like for you? And, you know, how, how has, you know, growing up biracial, how has that affected you in that industry, your career? And your you know, job? what's so interesting. I never really found that it was any sort of a, um, a barrier for me. But I think it's also just because I did grow up primarily around white people. Again, I was raised by my white mother. We grew up in a white Jewish neighborhood. Um, I wasn't exposed to a lot of black people, not until I moved out and I started, you know, going to clubs and I would, you know, go to all the black clubs and stuff like that. And I still felt kind of uncomfortable because I was the lightest one there. Um, and a lot of my friends are black. And when I went and when I started in business um, and I would go to events, you know, I was 
one of the very few token black people. So it was, it was something I, I just really got used to. Um, but, and it wasn't until, you know, again, the blackout Tuesday and people were like tag other black owned businesses. And I'm like, Oh my God, I don't even know if I follow very many black owned businesses. Like what, what again? So again, now putting me into that, see Sam, you're not supporting black people properly. What are you doing? Right. So now I even had to make a concerted effort because where are all the other black people, especially in fitness? Because um, I talked about this on uh, another interview that I did. Like, if you were to Google exercise or physical fitness and there was something else on Wikipedia, you get a white blonde person with a six pack. That's what you get. <laughs> right. So true. And I could yeah. not be farther from that. Right. Um, I, I, I joke about one time I trained years ago <clears throat> after I had my hysterectomy because I wanted to see like the best shape I could get in. And I had a six pack for about 48 hours and it was the hardest thing I ever had to maintain. I'm like, I am not meant to have a six pack. No, thank you. Not interested. And in general, I would say, you know, most black women's bodies or black bodies do not look like white bodies. So it's really hard for us to get like these tiny little, like, it's just, that's just not the way we're built. Right. And so I, um, as I was out there, especially when I was on the Marilyn Dennis show, I was like the only black person on their, um, list of, you know, regular experts that were on there. And, and even when I would look out at the audience, I remember thinking I could pick out the people. They kind of stuck out like a sore thumb, like a pea in a, in a basket of rice of the people who were black or dark skin. Right. Mm. And, um, now looking back, it's like, wow, you know, people must have looked at me and like, look, look at that black woman on the Marilyn Dennis show, because there's nobody else who's black on that show. Right. So it, it mm. really never became obvious until people asked me. And then I was like, wow, there are, I, like, I just, you don't see it represented. You look in magazines, you look anywhere in the fitness industry, you do not see it. Now you're definitely going to see it more, which I love. Right. But it just, it wasn't something that, and I, I never really considered because I got used to it as well. It's almost like I just felt like I blended in because I always did. But it was only because when I was asked to actually consciously think about it, I was like, holy crap. Right. And if you think about it now, I don't even know if Marilyn Dennis has a black expert that's on there on a regular basis. I don't think she does. Right. Or any mm -hmm. other shows for like a lot of other shows for that matter. I mean, so the social's pretty good. They have definitely have a more diverse um, um, hosts, a group of hosts, but um, yeah, you just, you don't really see it and we're just so used to it. Right. Yeah. That now that people are calling you out like, Oh yeah. Oh my God. I didn't even notice that. So yeah, it's really interesting to kind of be on both sides of it. Right. And then sure. also not, I've also had to stop kind of beating myself up because I felt like, man, Sam, you could have done so much more with what you had at the moment. You definitely could have had, you know what I mean? But I didn't do that because, you know, again, I was just used to it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, something for all of us to, to be mindful of now, right? It's, it's something mm -hmm. like we, we have the opportunity to be more inclusive as business owners. And, you know, I, I have a business where I support mom owned businesses and you know what moms are all different colors and shapes and sizes and everything. So yeah, it's definitely been an eye opener for me and, and I'm grateful for the eye opening. So, mm -hmm. and I'm so grateful for you for being on the show today, for having this conversation oh, thank with me. Thank you. 
and you know for for being a piece of what helps wake us all up right it's so important mm-hmm. and i just i'm so grateful so if our listeners want to find you they want to track you down they want to support your business how can they do so oh, thanks Where can they find you um, well, um, my website is samcoretrainer.com and I'm also, I hang out on Instagram at samcoretrainer, but you'll probably find me more on Facebook at, at samcoretrainer. Um, I also do have a private, uh, free, uh, fitness group and it's very diverse and inclusive and that's, uh, SCT for ladies only. And that's where I offer, you know, daily kind of challenges and support. And it's like, again, it's really for women who, want to get outside of their, you know, this ridiculous idea that they've got to look a certain way to be healthy and fit and they just want to, you know, feel good in their skin. So that's a really great community that I would love anybody to join. And um, I'm there for all my ladies there. Amazing. Well, thank you so much. I will link all of those in the show notes for anybody who wants to track you down and join that. That sounds amazing. And just thank Thank you you. so much for being here today and for being on the show and for having this conversation with me. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you. I appreciate you too. It was my pleasure.